0: Hi, <laughs> I start that with a, a big deep sigh. Hey, this is um, going to be interesting, so let's just do it. Hi, welcome to Fuck, Love, Laugh. Hey, welcome. So this week's going to look like a lot of things. I'm going to go through a bunch of content, um, incredible TED videos and um, other videos I have been sitting with this week, how they connect to my experiences and my story, as well as what's going on in the world for me. And then I'm excited because I decided to give you guys an update on all of the previous guests. I slowly have been sort of sharing reminders a a week or so ago of the previous episodes and the people involved and quoting them a little bit. I'm going to jump back into that in the coming weeks. But this week, what that's going to look like is a little relationship update from these people or their perceptions of how they're relating. I... um. I'm going to warn you that this is probably the most quote spiritual unquote episode that I will do or have done. Who knows what will come? Additionally, what's sitting alongside that is some scientific explanations for these perceived quote unquote spiritual understandings. I um, am leaning into my intuition and going with what feels right and, um, That looks like a lot of really interesting stuff. So um, I've said before that I'm quite apprehensive of spirituality. Um, Again, I put that in quotes. It's probably due to my negative experiences in a religion. I've expressed that I was raised in a Christian church and I had a faith that um, left me with a lot of shame and a lot of guilt. And I've spoken in previous episodes about how I really value people owning their own personal faith. I see so much value in a personalized spiritual understanding for each individual that that holds that. Uh, To me, that means that someone recognizes their personal and internal worlds are individually perceived and constructed. And they're acknowledging that perception of the world and they're laying claim to one. They're owning one. And they're using that to design their values and lead their way in the world. So in that way, I guess I am spiritual. Uh, I would say I'm agnostic, moderately atheistic, but I have a strong appreciation for Western perceived science and what science is examining now is so many forms of energy we don't understand and states of consciousness that we don't understand and cosmos beyond earth that we don't understand so that's where my understanding and appreciation comes from i joke and use the vomit emoji on some things that feel like a lot for me but i'm going to explain a little bit more on how that's all fitting together i recently watched a TEDx talk by Dr. Heather Berlin. It's called The Brain is Our Last Frontier. So I'll make sure to link it in this episode. Essentially what I got from it, and I'm always speaking from my own personal perception because that's all we can all do, but I like to remind you of that. Please go and watch it for yourself and see what you gain from it. But essentially Heather talks about how our brain produces our subjective experiences and I've spoken to that before and my understanding and appreciation for that. She starts off and uses the um, optical illusions as an analogy. I think most of us have probably seen that picture of the old woman or the young woman, depending on how you look at it. Uh, Watching people's brain see the second image is incredible. Uh, And Heather states you can really only see one of those at a time. But essentially that's a really good analogy for how perception takes hold and how we each perceive the world differently. And if we try, we can often see the world a new way. So Heather in her YouTube video talks about the neuron as the transmitter of electrical and chemical signals. And she talks about the synapses and the connections within the brain. One of the terms she uses is um, our inner cosmos. Essentially, what she's speaking to is that so much is happening outside of our own consciousness. I think this is exactly a direct quote that I wrote down from her, but what's out there in reality doesn't necessarily correlate with what you perceive. As in, our brain makes approximations. Our brain is always working to save us time and to um, utilize what we already know to build new understandings. Our unconscious is currently perceived as unlimited. She speaks to that in this video and how when we attend to something, it keeps us, keeps it in our conscious brain. For me, how to summarize all this is that what we believe we will perceive. So, the reason I decided to start with explaining that whole what we believe we perceive thing is because I've had a lot of synchronicity, I suppose, occur over the last. God, I don't know, now that I'm looking at it, I can see connections between everything. And I speak to that as I create a new narrative for myself and create a version of myself I, I want to put in the world. Um, and so I'm using the word synchronicity, meaning meaningful coincidences. I think the human brain is wired to find these and I'm doing it and we all do it. So I'm looking for connections. I'm looking for causations and I get that. That's how the human brain is wired, and we like to see things sequentially in a narrative. And I recognize that what I'm thinking about, I'm then focusing on, and I attend to those things deliberately. It's Here's the best example I can give. So you know when you get a new car, and then that's all that you see on the road? It's like you bought a Ford. I don't know. I don't know the majority of my audience where you're from, but, and then all you can see is that model on the road. And you're like, man, there's so many more of these than I thought there was that happened to me when I bought a new vehicle a few years ago. Or say, for example, you something a bit heavier, you believe you're a failure. This is a story you've embedded for yourself. Then all you're going to see is your failures. You're going to ruminate on them and focus on them. You know, when you have that shitty day and you're like, fuck, today is so shitty. And the day just keeps getting shittier and shittier. That's what I mean. And then we start making these connections and we start creating this for ourselves in this way that's like what we manifest i guess or create so i don't think there's anything magical or spiritual in that it's what you focus on then you continue to see and you continue to put yourself in positions where that is continually affirmed for yourself our brains see what saves time and what we're wired to see already so the reason i'm speaking to this uh, is because you know we're um, officially only 12 episodes deep. I guess 13 if you count the bonus episode. But you guys are hearing I'm on a pretty deep personal development, quote unquote, journey. And I'm looking to learn and grow as an individual, creating a life that I love. I'm finally trying to live authentically. I've had portions of this in my life but never so much so truly as now. I'm doing this and it's become somewhat of a spiritual journey because of what I've just explained. I hear myself say and explain things and i like, but I can't ignore these feelings and understandings anymore. So when something feels a little too hippie, I look for other worldviews and explanations that make more sense to me or maybe that feel more comfortable, I'm not really sure. I need to understand things in a way that I can find evidence for. And I know there's so many modes and um, applications of science and we look at large mass results in respective data. And we also can look at individualized anecdotal studies and their relevance there. And when you think about our human experience being so subjective due to our perception and the way our brains work, all those things have value. It's just to what end? So one of the main ones that's blown up the way I see the world is I explained it in episode nine, I think, essentially how I'm attuning to what Juliet Allen and some um, Eastern philosophies would um, call maybe chakras or centers. So I'm looking at life through my head, my heart, my gut or intuition, as well as through my sexual desires. So I saw a lot of connections between this in a recent uh, video that I watched. It doesn't seem directly correlated, but again, I'm making connections. So Dylan Pavlov is a video on YouTube. It's a TED Talk again called Limbic Resonance and Teleworking. Again, the title might not make you see connections, but here's how I connected it. They talk a lot. Dylan talks a lot about the head. Um, But he talks about it from the science perspective. He talks about our brain systems. So what I am understanding is my head. It actually is a brain center, the neocortex. So that's where we're looking at higher order thinking and abstraction. That's where we do a lot of intellectual processing. And that really aligns to that Eastern understanding of operating from your head. I don't think anyone's arguing that. Then when we come to the heart, In neuroscience, that's your limbic brain. That's your emotional center. That's where all that processing occurs. Then you've got your sex center, right? That essentially, again, in in neuroscience is your brainstem. That's where all those primal and survival instincts come from. So framing it like that helped me really appreciate the scientific backing for that view. We have different portions of the brain that operate and that we can attend to and we can build. I looked at it as like, fuck, is your brainstem. Love and laugh, I guess, would be like your limbic brain, your emotional center. And then I guess I left out think, which would be the neocortex. So maybe I'll change the name to fuck, love, laugh, think. Not as catchy. Anyway, that connection for me was that I really wasn't allowing decisions to be made anywhere from my limbic brain. I was uh, repressing my emotional center. A part of me wasn't allowing me to listen to that in Eastern philosophy, my heart, in neuroscience, the Limbic Brain Center. And Dylan speaks to how the Limbic Brain Center helps. It's activated by the why when we want to understand. And he speaks to something called limbic resonance, which I'm going to explain in my simplistic terms here. Again, I'll link the video if you want to learn a bit more. Essentially, the reason that he's speaking to limbic resonance is in the context of the workplace and working tele tele remotely, which this video, I think, is 2012, 2014. So you think about how that sits. Now, currently, he speaks to the fact that we need face-to-face. We need eye contact. We read emotional responses and we read nonverbal cues. And what that translates to is into actually, scientifically, they show how this regulates our biochemical systems. These are impacted and influenced by eye contact with another and face-to-face time with another. Chemically, they've monitored the hormones in a room and how these can transfer our hormonal levels shift based on face-to-face and eye contact with other people. Similarly, um, babies and parents, babies don't have the ability to regulate those biochemical systems. So they do this through their parents, which connects a lot when you look at attachment theory in psychology. So again, here's the major connection for me. Me and my long-term partner, Adam, we got to a point where we were so codependent because we were doing this. We were regulating each other's biochemical systems. These systems aren't so simple or internal or individualized as an experience. They, We can impact each other, each other's moods and our hormone levels. And that can be good, obviously, but it can also be bad. And over the last while, I've created more space for me to learn and grow as an individual. Part of this I believed was vital, and with this understanding, I think even more so, I had to physically move out. I had to move into a space where it was me, regulating my own biochemical systems, self-soothing, self-loving in a way that I've never really had to, and a way that didn't allow me to not take personal responsibility, made me sit in my shit and process it, just me. I know I impacted Adam negatively in ways for years. I, at times, was so codependent and made my feelings his problem. And I need to regulate this more myself. And I don't know if I could have learned this cohabitating with him. I don't know if I can even do this going forward if I cohabitate with someone, but I know I need to learn it. I know I need to do that on my own. When I started engaging with Nick, I think we started to do this a little bit. I'm going to speak to this a bit more in different ways, so stick with me for a little bit. But I came across the term twin flame a few months ago, and I posted on my Instagram about it very recently. Uh, this came out for me ages ago, but then again, I was listening to um, a podcast called Girls Gotta Eat, which is a sex and relationship podcast that's fucking hilarious. Um, a lot of stuff in there. Again, I don't align with everything, but man, those girls are rocking their world. They are living their truth and they are hilarious. So if you want something light and fun um, that really integrates some really cool concepts and brings in a lot of cool people, check it out. But a recent episode they had with a woman called Mystic Michaela, I think, Look it up if you want to. Um, Yeah, she does a bit of... She's interesting. I started following her on Instagram as well out of curiosity. She looks at people's auras, which essentially correlating to their personality types. So I'm not going to go deep into this twin flame thing as I don't have a strong understanding and maybe not even a strong appreciation. But based on what I've spoken of earlier, I'm going to sit with it. So my understanding of the twin flame concept is that they're, they're the mirror that shines the truest reflection of yourself back at you. You guys have heard me talk of learning partners before and holding up a mirror, showing each other things about yourself. And I've been so fortunate to have some amazing people showing me things about myself. And I've had many people enter my life and teach me things through this. Since open relating, this has been so much more accessible to me. But prior to that, I was doing it with friends and family members. It's not something I believe everyone should do is open their relationship and and use intimate lovers in this way. But it's definitely been valuable for me as someone who is very sexually connecting and driven. Thomas and I spoke about this in the last episode I'll give you an update on him later. Um, So if I'm looking at this twin flame concept, then technically I think Adam would be a soulmate of mine in that way. And Nick may be my twin flame, I don't know, in that he's held up a mirror to me beyond anyone else in my life. He's through our relationship, through me relating with him, I've learned so many things about myself a really scary level. And um, my intuition's been really crazy with him. Uh, Him and I have discussed some of it. A lot of it is left unsaid. I don't know if that's due to ensuring we don't move anything too far too fast or if it's out of fear. That's a continual internal debate. But when, like, we'll feel each other. In weird energy type ways. Like when we will feel that the other is about to do something, especially something that's maybe less from self-love and we'll speak about it. We'll reach out and communicate or like the next day and the other person's like, fuck, really? Yeah, this is what I was doing at that time. Or we'll feel the need to reach out. (laughs) And if we don't respond to our intuition, it can get messy. Anyway, I feel like through relating to him, I see a lot of shadows. And it helps me do a lot of shadow work. It helps me look into the shit I don't love about myself and the things I do love about myself and help me see my light. But again, there's probably a crazy amount of synchronicity there Um, and I'm aware of that. But with him, I'm learning so much. He has qualities that I can observe in myself and I can either be reminded of how their incredible strengths and then... Sometimes I see how they can be seen by others as difficult to relate to, those qualities in me. So things that I find difficult with Nick are often things I find difficult in myself and things I have difficulty loving in myself. And when I observe and relate to Nick, I then can go back and speak to other relationships with family members or with Adam and say, hey... I wonder if this is how you see me and could this help as a way of engaging with me and relating to me? And this is fucking tricky. Like, uh, I want to respect every relationship I have being individual. Nick and my relationship is different. Adam and my relationship is different. My relationship with, you know, Bella has had some stuff going on this week. Every relationship is its own, but What we learn from them can be very similar if we allow ourselves. So getting out of such a spiritual analogy of this like twin flame thing is maybe all that means is that Nick and I have very similar attachment styles. I think both of us struggle with insecure attachment and we're really aiming to become more secure. I have done a fuckload of work on this throughout my life and more recently in the last few years. I think Nick and I have similar love languages, so we're able to communicate around that. Um, Additionally, I think we have very similar insecurities and that often shows up as similar behavior patterns. So that's crazy because then we're calling each other on our shit, but yet it's coming from a place that can be very activating or triggering for us as individuals as well if we're sitting with the same insecurity. Or maybe we're just like crazy attracted to each other's pheromones. I don't know. Maybe there's the chemical compatibility there. So if I want to look at twin flame from a scientific perspective, maybe those things all come into play and maybe that explains it. I don't know. Again, I can frame it how you want, but I think it's a cool language set to examine and consider. Either way, Nick has been so valuable for me to relate to, and it's hard to explain hard to justify. My friends who are very open-hearted and open-minded are still struggling with this idea of how to love me and how to love me as I love others and how to relate to me when I'm open relating. And open relating with this personal development goal can be such a fucking great growth opportunity. And it has been for me. It's improving so many areas of my life. Even at work this week, I was told that um, I'd taken a lot of feedback on and obviously relaxed a lot more. So I'm learning and it's impacting everywhere in my life, but it's fucking hard. One of the readings um, that I've been doing uh, around the twin flame stuff said, you can't love your twin flame unless you love yourself. And I know that Nick and I have both been working on this. And right now that looks like him taking space to do that. And I hope we can discuss this in future and continue to grow in any capacity. I'm gonna tie all this and hopefully connect it all together in a couple more ways. Another video I found this week was by Nicole Moore. It's called Conscious Evolution Through Limbic Lovin. So again, it's looking at the limbic system. Again, I'll post a link for you if you're curious. I kind of went on a binge this week on learning in this area. I think there's a whole part of me that was sitting in this like discomfort around all these spiritual things I'm examining and going, no, there is scientific understanding for all of this. It's just how we frame it. It's just different perceptions. It's just different language sets. It's different frameworks to view the same thing. And, you know, we're currently in this highly scientific space. It's just... I need to find those connections so I can really build a strong understanding that I'm confident with. So this is more of a scientific one which I loved. Nicole speaks about the limbic system which I've already mentioned as the emotional center and activating and holding emotional memories. So a lot of psychology looks at how this forms in early childhood and neonatal and maybe even in utero. And what Nicole speaks to is that we can recode this limbic memory we know that the brain is exceptionally plastic the neuroplasticity there there's new cellular memories that you can create so as you create these new memories these alternative routes in your brain um, occur and this can connect and occur through our emotional body and our physical body essentially she says it's a parallel route for our neurosystem to respond to so she speaks to realigning Um, essentially these internal memories, but I frame it as like your stories or your patterns. And a lot of it's perceived to be done through touch, through feeling systems. Um, And to do this, you have to leave your neocortex, that forefrontal brain, that real head center. Yeah, like it makes sense. So she speaks to doing this through breath and touch and sensory sound stuff to do a lot of recoding. So go and explore that for yourself. I'm definitely going to do more. What this sat as for me is this idea that sex can be therapy. I, you're, it's tactile, it's limbic, and it's brainstem. And I think I've done a lot of that, building parallel routes for my neurosystem system while in a sexual space. Adam and Nick, have. I've done a lot of this with them, probably more than others, but I've also valued doing this with women. Really recoded some neuropathways there. And I think we're all uncomfortable. I think a lot of us are uncomfortable with terms like mommy issues and daddy issues. But if you look at neuropsychology, if you look at neuroscience and you look at psychology, we're just wired from early years. So look at attachment styles and this all makes sense. It's not magic it's not spiritual like it's their scientific understandings here so i'm leaning into this i'm appreciating this i joke about being a sex witch like i don't i'm just finding and relating to amazing people from all those parts of my brain from all those parts of my energy whatever i'm learning to love myself and i then can love others and I'm aware that sometimes this might appear selfish. Posted about that this week on Instagram. But I need to do this to love others. I need to love myself to love others. Sometimes I'm going to fuck this up. Sometimes I'm not going to get the balance right. I'm learning. Not claiming to be evolved or like done or um, I'll... I don't know, like, a guru at this in any way. I'm just sharing my raw fuck-ups and learning from them. I'm learning what I need and how to ask for it. I'm learning to find relationships and friends and partners who know their worth and can ask for what they want and need. And when I can't give it to them, that they hopefully have the strength not to make it about them. And when I state I can't support them with this, they understand. And it's hard. Again, I'm gonna fuck up, I'll mess up. Like, sometimes I will probably go too far and not give people what they need and want from me. But I hope that when the communication is clear, I will, and someone reaches out, I will give them what they want and need if if I have the space. And that when I don't, they'll understand. But experience is subjective. (laughs) So here's my encouragement, tying it all back together. Please communicate, share, be vulnerable because if all of our experiences are subjective, no one's seeing anything like you are. And if you don't share yours, no one else will see your experience. Sapphire said something cool in her episode that I'm thinking about just now in that like, if you have strong communication, any relationship structure can work for you. And I believe that. And Depending on what kind of energies you look to connect with, I don't think a lot of people need to open relate or what, or should or could or or will want to, and that's fine. That's great. It's so valuable for me. I needed those mirrors held up. I continue to need them. But yeah, knowing that your experience is subjective, help others see how you see it, not with force and not with the need for them to agree with you. Like we can respectfully disagree, but love people well, they love themselves. I posted this week too, a recognition that I don't know always how to love people through their hard stuff. And one of my listeners commented something apt, just saying, you can't carry people. Essentially, we discussed how that can incapacitate people. And I've had conversations with Adam before about how I felt he was such an amazing partner in ways, but he carried me in some areas of our life and I became completely disabled so incapacitated and we're looking at how to fix that and do parts of that better so that we're both strong I can he can be strong I can be strong and we can support each other or to use another analogy from someone else maybe we can both take turns shining the light for each other I'm constantly questioning where I feel others are trying to carry me, and sometimes that means I don't let them hold the light for me, and that means I don't let them stand beside me in love. I don't always see it, so I'm learning. Again, I'm a work in progress, and you guys are listening to that development. I hope you're finding it real. If nothing else, I hope you're finding it raw. I found out my mom is listening to this, so hey, mom. I had a big conversation. I've been having fucking big conversations everywhere. Fuck the shadow work. The personal responsibility and the personal development, and the personal ownership of my shit means I'm touching base with a lot of people uh, that I hadn't been authentic with. That's looked like my sister, very candidly, my mother, my closest friend from home, some people of lovers in the past who I've done wrong. And um, mom's the newest one. So yeah, I told her about my lifestyle bit by bit. I think I told her, my partner and I are living separate. Then I told her we've been in an open relationship for about four years. Then I told her I was bisexual. <laughs> and then as she continued to amazingly process all of that, I was like, oh, and by the way, if you want to learn a bit more, I, I, I'm I, hosting a podcast. And didn't tell the, her the name or anything. Just kind of left it there and said, talk to my sister, one of my sisters. If you're ready, she can direct you to it. So yeah, that happened. Um, and I posted on Instagram what that looked like. She sent me the most beautiful message. I Loving an adult child must be so hard. I don't have kids. I can't relate to that, but I'm trying to see it. I haven't always been good to my mom. I've definitely as a young person in healing my trauma, blamed her for some stuff. I think I'm getting much better at taking personal responsibility for it. But I ask her a lot of questions to understand my childhood better and understand myself better. And her message was, you know, I see you and I love you. And I see the part of you that amuses me. And she saw some things that were valuable for her, which was amazing. Uh, She also said, I haven't made her uncomfortable yet. So mom, I think that might have been before the bonus episode. Uh, Additionally, probably before episode 11. So lean in if you get uncomfortable. I'm not saying sorry, but you've been warned. Okay, this may be the part I'm most excited about. I have been thinking a lot about the guests I've previously had and how I've gone through such a personal evolution in how I see myself and how I'm perceiving the world and part of that's in how I'm relating. So I wanted to give you guys an update on how all of my previous guests are currently relating and how they're seeing that and what they're focusing on in their life in regards to fucking and loving and maybe some laughing. So here we go. I'll start from the first guest and just work my through, way through chronologically. Billy. she was in a relationship at the time, and the relationship that she spoke of when she was a guest has shifted back into a friendship. So what she had to say about that is that their communicating really helped them reach that decision before any resentment had formed. And she, too, is focusing on herself, how she relates to those around her. And She's really using her friendships to help her communicate and feel, the, feel all the feels, she said, without attaching any negative connotation to having those feelings. So get a girl. Bella. Essentially, Bella has said she's dating and she's working on herself as the priority. She's looking for deeper connections now while dating rather than, she said, just sex and lots of personal work. And I've seen this for her. She is deep diving, and it's hard, and um, she doesn't need my approval or affirmation here, but I'm so proud of the work that she's doing. Episode five was my long-term loving partner, Adam. Adam's currently loving the term open relating, which is how I discuss my relationships. So that man is... So many things, he said. He feels he can connect more emotionally now, and he's more available for that. One of the reasons he really, honestly said is in part because he's not working to give all that energy to me, and that's what I said earlier in relation to those biochemical systems. I think I took a lot out of that man, and um, I got better with age and in time and in learning. But he definitely has more space now, and I'm not there constantly pushing, which I think has been a big learning for both of us. But also from a personal development perspective, he said that he feels he's learning how to open up more emotionally. And I've definitely seen it. He's embraced um, that he's a really physical person and then engaging and responding um, with his brainstem in that way, like I spoke about earlier then allows his limbic brain, his emotional center to activate and allow him to feel all the feels. So he is driving through relationships. He's not afraid to be tactile and sexual. He's really embracing that. And that's really helping him support his emotional connections. He also stated he feels he is better able to connect with himself, which I've seen. The more he's able to do that, the more he's able to do it with others, which is beautiful so he this is a direct quote from him which I never would have thought would have come out of this man's mouth but he wants to connect on an emotional level and he said he didn't know what that meant he said I used to say that to him like I need you to connect with me emotionally I need you you know to be in my heart and he was like I don't know what that even what do you mean so he knows now and it feels more natural now Is probably a truer statement. And he said that looks a lot like him being more introspective. Um, So yeah, he spoke about that being part of the evolution of our relationship, as well as other events in the past 12 months of his life, uh, including certain people he's met, as well as some work circumstances. So now for Morbius. He is up for a relationship of any form. And he's really enjoying taking time to focus on himself. From what I'm aware, he also is dating. Last time we spoke, he was saying he he recognizes, like he said on his episode, he does want connection. And so he's still out there looking for it. But he's got a really chilled vibe about it. I think he's just letting himself relate and seeing where it goes. With Sav... I haven't heard a direct response from him, so I'll cautiously assume that he is still out there doing his beautiful, considered, consciously relating, yet kinky thing. Now for the fiery sapphire. We have spoken about it since the episode and she actually started her own online presence, presenting some of the content on relationships. And from what I can tell, a focus of open relationships of many forms. So I saw on there and I feel comfortable speaking, um, to that, which is what I'll do. And I'll try to quote as closely as I can. But she stated that, and I think it was really after our episode record, I think maybe those conversations challenged both of us, but she said that, um, She didn't know much about polyamory and that she realized she had a, quote, tunnel view. So she's working on educating herself further in there and looking to learn more, which I have total respect for. I've been constantly trying to do that in this space. Uh, In that same post, she said she's not big on labels, which I'm not either. So she's hesitant to define herself in that way. And her main testament is that as long as she and her partner have their own clear parameters, she's happy. And she's really recommending that for everyone. Conscious monogamy is a hashtag I use often and a a phrase I speak to. And so it sounds like that's what she's saying. Conscious monogamy or conscious non-monogamy, just consciously relate. The other thing that Sapphire said directly to me is that when she started researching uh, the phrase polyamory and realizing how versatile the title actually can be, she felt they actually had always gone into their um, sexual encounters with a more poly-like perspective um, because they believe, um, her and her partner, that connection is vital. They've always put energy into people and really tried to deliberately bring people into their social and intimate circle and really care for them and want what's best for them in any context. So she said if she had to choose a, a definition, that she would choose ethically non-monogamous within a hierarchical poly-type structure. So that means they're not always sexual with everybody, but they're really looking to connect with them and care for them. Another thing that she mentioned was that they will always be open to the word she used was flux that comes with life and with open relating, which I can fucking relate to. And nothing stationary, nothing stagnant. And they just talk a lot about where they're at and what they're up to and what's happening, different perceptions and how they're viewing it which relates closely to what we've been speaking about this week. I've mentioned months ago now, um, like asking on Instagram, do you do a relationship check-in? Because that's something Adam and I always tried to do and continually try to do. And she said that's what they do. And it's something that they will always make an effort to do. So the last one, which is probably the most fun, um, is Thomas, who was the last episode, episode 11. And while he was here, he mentioned he was in a new relationship that was 1.5 weeks old. So that's been such an interesting one for me because I'm so hesitant around relationships that progress quickly, but he feels he found his person and I'm fucking loving that for him and they're still together. And these are the things that he has said about that when I reached out. He said, they're both at peace. They found a partnership and a love that they thought neither of them thought was possible. So ugh, g- g- gross, romantic, but so beautiful for them. Um, and he feels like he's using the wisdom from his previous relationship, and it sounds like um, his female partner is as well. He also feels he's learned better how to listen, like really listen, he said, uh, by acknowledging and valuing her thoughts and feelings which I think he recognized was really an area of opportunity from his long-term relationship with the mother of his kids. Thomas also spoke to learning, leaning on his faith and striving for patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control, which is highly admirable. Keep getting it, Thomas. And then... The last thing he said, which we joked around that he knows he only has a certificate for in knowing his new partner, but he's enrolled in the diploma and he can't wait to get his degree and maybe even one day a PhD. So yeah, I think he's in it for the long haul, guys. (laughs) That just leaves you with me. And here I am. (laughs) Open relating, open as ever, open heart, open mind. And when that happens, open pussy. Sorry, mom. But yeah, I'm meeting some amazing people. People I get to levels of authenticity with that sometimes would take months or maybe years. I met this amazing man recently who told me it took me a while to let my guard down. And I'm like, bitch, please. Like, I share so openly. But what he was saying is that I wasn't really showing my soul and that was really confronting for me. I mean, that's his perception, but I could see it. I've gotten into a way of operating sometimes on dates where you know, you kind of get this script or you know what people want, or I try to be as raw and authentic as I can, but oh, there's those jitters where you're a little bit nervous initially. So then I push the boundaries in conversation. I talk very quickly about relationships and sex and monogamy, but that's a lot of intellectual stuff. And what he called me out on is not speaking from my heart. So it's interesting. I expressed to him that not everyone wants that. And I felt that not a lot of people maybe men more so are comfortable speaking to that from that place on a first date. So I guess I need to ask and gauge that a bit better and not be afraid to speak from that place on a first date. I also met an amazing couple that oh they had the security in their relationship in themselves that I haven't seen for a long time. It was a second marriage I think or maybe just the second like really long-term serious relationship. For both of them. And because of that, they now know what they want. They have such secure identities in themselves that they're comfortable adding other women into their bedroom. In relation to Adam, I haven't spoken much about that wonderful human being this episode deliberately. Uh, we're in a really interesting place of our relationship. Um, there's some special stuff on for us at present, which looks like us forming some really, hopefully some really deliberate, connected, valuable rituals, trying to put together a new form of our relationship, um, trying to commit to a future where we can continue to love each other, a future where we never have to Stop loving each other. We never have to separate our lives because he's someone I want to know forever. And what that will look like, I have no idea. And we're both okay with that. (laughs) Adam's really good at reminding me I don't have to know it all now. And we can just keep relating and sharing each other's lives and continuing to communicate what that looks like, letting it flow and ebb and being all right with where we are. So, in the next while, that's going to look like us spending some time mapping a little bit about where we're at now and possibilities for the future without making anything conclusive. Yeah, that's it. You're, that's, you're just getting me this week. Um, I want to finish off by doing what I cannot do enough, which is thanking all of you. Uh, more and more of you are listening to the pod. More and more of you are engaging on social media to connect with each other. And I'm so grateful, all I can be is me. (laughs) All I can be is raw and authentic. And you know, I think we're all living in some delusions to a sense when you (laughs) look at the subjective reality thing. So sometimes I'm not doing it right, but I'm just trying to be, I'm trying to learn, I'm trying to grow and I'm trying to share with you. And this story is valuable to some of you, but that's not all I wanna create. I want to create a space for your stories more and more. I've spoken to a few listeners lately and we're going to we're going to work that in. I'm just figuring out how. So, if you want to connect, if you want to share, if your any part of your story connects, let's please reach out. Please really genuinely do. Let's make a space. Keep contacting each other and um, start in the comments of the posts and then we'll see if we can engage in some really critical dialogue there. Maybe you can reach out to other people. Again, a friendly reminder that I am not looking for cock pics. I'm not looking for new lovers. I'm looking for genuine connections with amazing people to talk about all this stuff. So thank you for being there and sharing with me and being a part of what we're doing together. All right. Thanks guys. So there it is, fuck, love, laugh, a phrase for which meaning can transform being perceived to each their own. So you found me here today, but I don't know how. So I'm going to give you a few different modes that you can find more from Fuck, Love, Laugh. You're welcome to visit my website at fuckloveLaugh.com. You'll find me on Twitter and Instagram at fuck love laugh. And I'm still deciding if you'll find me on Facebook, but F love Laugh is what you'll find me at if I'm there. I'm just sitting here waiting. Of course, when I try to get them to do it, they won't. They were just going off and now they stopped. Where is he? I know you can hear that goddamn bird. <laughs> and I'm sorry. It's just, I can't do anything about it. Sure, of course. Now that I'm trying to capture them, he won't make any sound. Well, either way, if you hear the bird, sorry, I can't. I love nature. What am I going to do? There he is. Oh, motherfucker. Yeah, that guy. Mm-hmm. Morning. <laughs>